What's up, guys? My name is Roy Ross from The Book of Boba Fett, and I'm here with Brian on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Well, whether you have stumbled upon On Screen and Beyond, or if you're a regular listener of On Screen and Beyond, this is episode 580 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we go to a galaxy far, far away into the book of Boba Fett and uh, also Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is coming up. And Rory Ross is going to be joining us. And Rory is in the book of Boba Fett. He's going to be in Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's got a little bit of stuff he can tell us about behind the scenes and things like that. So get ready. And Rory Ross is coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond we got a great show coming up, and uh, we've got some information about remakes and upcoming movies and things like that. Be sure to tell a friend about On Screen and Beyond. We've got a lot of people continually downloading episodes of On Screen and Beyond, and uh, we hope you go back into our archives, our reruns as we call them here, and you can find all these amazing people who tell their stories about uh, their music and their TV shows in their their movies and everything else. And I want to thank some people here all over the world who are listening to On Screen and Beyond. Of course, Australia. You guys, great. We keep getting a lot of downloads from there. Sweden, Spain, and Canada. In the U.S., North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Texas. A lot of people in Houston out there love hearing from you. And uh, also San Antonio and Dallas, and Lubbock, and all kinds of places, and also in California, Linwood. You guys are downloading like crazy. That's great to hear. And uh, Mount View, and also San Jose, and in Virginia, Ashburn. You guys are listening to On Screen and Beyond. Hope you're telling your friends to get the word out so we can get more and more listeners here at On Screen and Beyond and get more and more great guests to come on the show and give you some behind the scenes of, uh, like I say, either music or TV or movies, whatever. So uh, keep it up. And uh, this is as much your show as my show. So I hope you're telling people about it and getting the word out. Instagram, we're out there a lot on there and uh, Twitter and Facebook and getting just getting the word out. So we appreciate it and uh, hope you're enjoying this. We got some uh, good news coming up about uh, Sid and Marty Croft, uh, the CroftCon that's going to be coming up in May. We'll give you more information on that in a little bit. But uh, right now, uh, why don't we get right into it? It is time for Remake Madness on On Screen and Beyond. Remake Madness, well, every time we think about remakes now, we have to think about Disney, because Disney seems to be doing a lot of it now. And Disney's 1970 Aristocats is getting a live-action treatment, and uh, it looks like uh, other Disney classic animated remakes are going to be The Little Mermaid. We've talked about that before anyways. That's coming in 2023. And also Peter Pan, uh, called Peter Pan and Wendy, with Jude Law as Hook. And that's going to be an interesting one. Well, and also a remake of The Haunted Mansion by Disney is in the works, and it's filming right now. 
And that's it. That's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies? Upcoming new movies, it looks like Johnny Depp will star in a film about the French King Louis XV. And Kirsten Dunst will star in an action epic called Civil War. It's going to be directed by Oscar-nominated Alex Garland. And Kathy Bates and John Malkovich will be joining the cast of a film called Thelma. It's based on a true story of a mother of a Pulitzer Prize winner. That's it for upcoming new movies. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take a look at what's coming your way as far as sequels. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Sequels, sequels, and more sequels. Uh, good or bad, we've got a lot of them coming your way. It looks like A Christmas Story will be getting a sequel. That's right, A Christmas Story. And it will be called The Christmas Story Christmas. And it's also going to have Ralphie, Peter Billingsley, coming back. And he's returning after 30 years to give his kids a special Christmas. And it looks like the Meg 2 is moving along, and it's called Meg 2 The Trench. And filming has started on that. And Aquaman 2, Avatar 2, both will be hitting theaters on December 16th. And that's it for Sequel City. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? TV on DVD, it looks like CSI Vegas Season 1 arrives on DVD on April 5th. Supergirl, the sixth and final season, flies onto Blu-ray and DVD on March 8th. And The Handmaid's Tale Season 4 strolls onto DVD on April 5th. That's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Movies on DVD. Movies on DVD and Kanto goes to DVD, Blu-ray, and 4K on February 8th. And also on February 8th, you can look for King Richard with Will Smith on Blu-ray, DVD, and 4K. And one more on February 8th, it looks like The Beatles' Get Back from Peter Jackson hits Blu-ray and DVD on that date. And that's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, well, it looks like this year's Grammy Awards will be moved to April 3rd, and they're going to be in Las Vegas. And uh, sadly, we have a couple of notes here that uh, it just seems to each week we're getting more and more. But comedian Louis Anderson and singer Meatloaf both have passed over the week, and also actress Yvette Mimu, who passed away. Uh, she also uh, was one of the co-stars of the 1960 classic The Time Machine. And uh, it's we're just it's just sad that we're losing so many of these great actors and actresses and singers. Well, that's it. That's it for TV and entertainment time. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, Rory Ross is joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. He's from the Book of Boba Fett, and he's next. Rory Ross, right here on On Screen and Beyond.
Today on On Screen and Beyond, we take you to a galaxy far, far away, into the world of Star Wars and the Book of Boba Fett. Our guest is part of that show and also part of the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series. He also played Lee Harvey Oswald in the show JFK Declassified, Tracking Oswald. It's Rory Ross. Rory, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Hey, how's it going, Brian? Great. And, and how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're here in uh, L.A. We're getting a little rain, so trying to stay a little cool and warm. And uh, just excited to be talking with you guys at On Screen and Beyond. Well, let me tell you, you must be thrilled to be part of Star Wars. A Star Wars show has got to be one of the biggest things any actor can want to do. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And, I, you know, for me, it's, it's such an important part of my life. Um, I, I grew up with Star Wars, but before I even was introduced to Star Wars, I was, I was six years old and I had this really traumatic event where I had a rare fungus that was on the back of my head that was just eating away my scalp. And wow. so yeah, I, was, I was sent to the Iowa City Children's Hospital went through all these little procedures and surgeries. But while I was there that first day, my mom brought Star Wars A New Hope. And that was the first time I've ever seen Star Wars and seen Luke's journey. It was what I really, really needed at that time of just a, something of a source of hope and inspiration. Mm-hmm. And so I was there for about a month. And, you know, it was crazy because in the pediatric ward, there were kids that were with me that got better. But then there were also kids that that was the the final kind of line for him. And so at any age, you know, death is always a very, you know, it's a hard thing to to process. But I think when you're so young and you you feel like you're so full of life to realize that it can come at you at any time, it's a a pretty crazy and important lesson to learn and and just to to be aware of. And so that's why Luke's story for me has always just been something incredible. And it's resonated with me throughout my whole life because later on I left home when I was about 13 years old, sort of like Luke going, and saying, hey, you know, there's something more out there for me. I, I tried to do the farming. I tried to be a rancher, but it was not really the, the place for me. And so I kind of needed a new hope, a new beginning. And so for me, I left to Seattle. And I, in, instead of like most people, you know, where they're at a public school and they have everything taken care of for them, I was paying 10 grand for my freshman, sophomore year each, and then 12 grand for my junior, senior year. Uh, so I was working two different jobs and doing different scholarships and things like that and outreach. And so that's something also that really stayed with me is because when I left the hospital back when I was six years old, I, I, I told myself, I said, I don't know what I'm doing with my life, but whatever it is, I want to make sure I'm giving hope and inspiration to people just like Luke did for me. And so throughout my life, I've also tried to find ways of doing outreach, whether it was in Seattle where I was um, really helping out with the homeless community and passing out hot chocolate and you know snacks and stuff like that. And I also uh, got a chance to partner with Taco Bell and, was able to deliver a lot of food out there. And then when I was in college, I uh, shaved my head into a rainbow mohawk um, and raised over three grand to help build bathrooms in Honduras. And wow. even here in L.A., as an actor, I've been trying to make sure that 10% of everything I make um, goes to a charity called Charity Water, which helps provide clean water for the millions of people that don't have it. So it's been really cool to have that aspect of Luke permeate throughout my life, but then bringing it full circle and, and being a, able to be a part of this amazing universe that has brought so many people not just me to hope and inspiration throughout their lives but also creativity and and just this sort of source of inspiration of all sorts of things or whatever industry or career you might be in and so that'd be such a vital uh, character here in, in book of boba fett as a tuscan raider as a member of the tribe that boba ends up becoming a, a member of is really really cool oh yeah geez yeah 
Uh, did, did, did you, after you saw the first Star Wars, did you watch all the rest of them, or as you know, as many as? Oh, them? oh yeah, yeah, definitely. In fact, um, later on, you know, so this was this would have been probably ninety eight or ninety nine, so right before Phantom Menace came out. I saw Phantom Menace in Texas, and then I ended up seeing. I remember for Attack of the Clones. It, it came out in May, and so my birthday's in June, and I remember my mom was like, all right, we're going to go out to the movie theater. And in Iowa, I grew up in a very small town. We had, like, 100 people, and the elementary school was part post office, part elementary school. <laughs> so we had to leave and then get out of the town to actually go see a movie. And I just remember my mom was taking us out, and, and Attack of the Clones had already started. The runtime had started. And so she was like, all right, well, we'll see. I think it was Spider-Man. And don't get me wrong, I love Spider-Man. It's a great film, too. Mm-hmm. But I remember as my mom was grabbing the tickets for my siblings, I went ahead and secretly got the ticket for Attack of the Clones, and I took off and went inside the theater to see Attack of the Clones, and I got in there just as the opening crawl was happening. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've been a huge fan of Star Wars since then and have made it a point to make sure that not only am I you know, watching the films and seeing Clone Wars and Rebels, which uh, Dave Filoni is a mastermind with, and then also, you know, uh, I, I remember reading the Thrawn trilogy, the OG with Timothy Zahn. Um, I think it was probably the 80s or so is when that's from. And so to see Thrawn now coming in the live action is really, really cool, or, or the hopes that it's going to come live action, I guess we'll see. But, you know, even seeing him in Rebels where they brought him back was, mm-hmm. was awesome yeah. to see. So big, big fan. And then, you know, it's, again, it's just a huge part of my life. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Luke. Uh, I have a little s- Star Wars story. I'll, I'll do it real quick for you. Uh, <laughs> I actually got to drive Mark Hamill. Oh, and, awesome. they, I was at Film Festival on the West Coast, and okay. I'm from the East Coast. I had no <laughs> idea where I was going. But oh, they, no. <laughs> but they had me drive a Hummer with Mark and his wife in the back, and we're talking and going. I didn't know where I was going. <laughs> I had to stop at a, a garage, a gas station, to ask directions. That's how bad it was. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I don't think Mark was too impressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully the conversation was uh, insightful enough that he was like, okay, this, this is a good. <laughs> it was fun, yeah. <laughs> so so how did you get the part? Well, you know, I, so uh, – there's a there's a, a background casting called central casting and anyone can get on that uh, for the most part but i think it was kind of a two-factor even though there's that it's um i think there's a, a thing to be said about manifestation when you put your dreams out there and you let the universe and others know what you actually want to do there's a way of uh, things kind of just manifesting and making themselves come come true and so it may not always happen the way you want but um, I remember being on set. I was, I think, the Baker's Dozen. I was a stand-in, and I was talking with Tamara Mowry, and we were just talking about dreams and manifestations. She's like, "Yeah, you got to put it out there." And what was crazy is, an hour after that conversation, that's when I got the text about Book of Boba Fett, and I was like, "Oh my god! Like this is this is amazing!" You know, it was a covert and all this stuff, but I, I had already known what that was. And then the other thing was, um, there's a guy named Greg Kufera, a friend of mine. He was the one that was originally fit for the Tuscan Elder, the, the, the Tuscan I get to play in several different scenes. So he had gone in with John Favreau and um, Robert Rodriguez and then uh, Shauna, the, the head costumer. And they had made this form because he had already been a part of the Star Wars universe in Mandalorian Season 2 as a Tuscan Raider, and, and he's playing some other roles. And they shot things out of order. So he had shot already the train scene, and then um, the robing of Boba, where he becomes a member of our tribe, they had already shot that. But then production got shut down, and he wasn't able to come back to re- you know go ahead and, and do his role again. 
And so she and I are like exact same stature and height. We're also big Star Wars nerds, so it was pretty cool to kind of have that resemblance in there. But because he wasn't able to come back, that is what opened the door for me to come in and be a part of, of, of this character and to kind of have my own little thing in it for all of episode one and parts of episode two. And then more importantly, because I was able to come on set, I ended up making friends with um, a buddy of mine, Warren Prue, who's the stand-in for Kenobi or Ewan on Kenobi. And he was the one that uh, got me the secret email to sort of, you know, essentially fake it till you make it and say that I was a stormtrooper and uh, Mandalorian. And uh, that was not uh, the the truth, but uh, it got me on set and it got me on Kenobi. And and that was just an amazing ride. So, you know, had that stuff not all kind of lined up and again about the manifestation and just, you know, the timing of everything. uh, I wouldn't be where I am at today. And I have to thank both of those people uh, tremendously for for that opportunity. Wow. Now, you mentioned Kenobi. Uh, Are you playing a a Tuscan Raider in that also? I, or can I you tell us? A, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not a Tusker Raider in Kenobi. I'm, I'm a Stormtrooper, um, and that's all I can say at the moment. Understand? Uh, you know, yep. No problem. Gotta wait for those trailers to come out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's you must be blown right over to be in both of those series. I mean, it's, it's oh a, yeah. I mean, to be because you know, don't get me wrong, Boba Fett. It's really cool to see his story being told, and and I really love what they've been doing with the Tuscan. So I'll I'll love to hop on to that part again. But with Kenobi, it's just it was really amazing because you know, even though New Hope was definitely the one that really, again, Luke's story and his journey. But then the prequels. I mean, I I absolutely adored you know Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith, I think, was probably my favorite out of the prequels. Um, just to have understanding of what happened to Vader and how he ended up getting the scars and then understanding his fall and what, you know, how everything occurred. And then the Clone Wars really fleshing that out. But with Kenobi, I mean, as a fan, I'm just so excited to see that connective tissue between the prequels, you know, Revenge of the Sith to A New Hope. And again, it also has to do with, you know, Obi and what he was, he was put in charge of when we saw him at Revenge at the end, he, he took Luke in uh, Tatooine. So it's, it's just so cool to have, a little piece where I've been able to play in a show that, that has Luke in that sense, um, you know, because of, of Kenobi and what he's doing, but uh, just, it's just amazing. And, and I can't speak highly enough of that. Yeah. Yeah. Now I presume that the makeup for uh, the Tuscan Raider that you are, uh, is, mm-hmm. is it a mask or is there a, is there a certain amount of time you have to spend in makeup? You know, is it a long process or how does that go? <laughs> so it is actually it's, it's not a makeup or anything it is uh, a full-on mask mm-hmm. so it's you have multiple layers in terms of you know the robe and everything that's that's situated on you and then with the the head wrap or it's, it's a mask but then you you do multiple sort of wrappings of cloth around your your face to kind of have that layer and then also make sure that you can't see any skin and it doesn't have you know any of these elements from this this world <laughs> that you know and make sure it has that sci-fi element that we're all used to. Um, it, but it, 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 it's hot. It's very hot in there. Oh, um, sure. Because if you think about it, you know, anytime you're, you're trying to conserve heat or you're trying to make sure that you're staying warm, you always put something on your head. So imagining having multiple layers and then you also have the mask on, it, it can get pretty, I don't want to say unbearable per se, because that, that sounds pretty extreme, but it, it does get a bit tough. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of breathing, uh, especially with COVID, you know, trying to make sure that you're, you're staying COVID safe and compliant with that. And then, um, and then also the, the eye holes, um, 
that some of the masks it's not necessarily that you can actually see through both of them it's like maybe you only see through one and you have either way you have a very limited vision in terms of peripheral mm-hmm. so there were times <laughs> where us tuscans would actually walk into each other so we'd have to redo the takes because <laughs> that doesn't look right <laughs> so it, was, it was fun and and uh yeah it was just it was so cool to see the detail and the amount of time they take with these costumes and make sure that they're they have specific elements you know if you look at each tuscan there's there's things that signify them from the other and you know if it's the trinkets or maybe it's the wrappings and how this is the bandolier you know shauna and her costume team they just did an amazing uh job and they stayed true to the to the original film i can you know you can tell that yeah they they look like you know (laughs) the same characters (laughs) exactly exactly you know and and to kind of go even with that, if talking about, you know, from the originals, uh, you know, you look at how they were introduced as sand people back in uh, A New Hope, and they seem kind of barbaric. And then you see them uh, in episode two, and Anakin calls them animals. He slaughtered them like animals. So, you know, with Mandalorian season two, at the beginning of that, and then with Book of Boba Fett, and fleshing out their, their stories, and understanding that there's different societies and cultures, and in that there's also different tribes and each tribe doesn't mean that they're all the same and even a member of that tribe you know so if, if someone just like in real life if someone does something whatever race culture whatever it might be just because that person does it doesn't mean they're a resemblance of everything else that is in that grouping and so i think that was, it was a really important thing to to show and then also just to give more backstory on the tuscans and understand you know tattooing like you know when they said Tatooine used to be full of water. And it's like, whoa, you know, so what's happened with the Tuscans? How have they evolved? You know, if you've watched the Bad Batch and seen how the Caminos, uh, Caminos uh, evolved, it's really fascinating. So I'd be curious to see if, you know, you see some of that down the line, um, you know, and, and just it, it was really cool to see how it impacted and affected Boba having this sort of family that he's never had either. Yeah, well, Favreau's done such a great job with the Mandalorian and now Boba Fett. You know, he, he's... He's giving us a, a background story of these people, and and like the Mandalorian reminds me so much of like uh, the old TV shows. You know, each week they're going through another episode of of, of what's going on in their life and everything. And uh, you know, it, it's just they're doing a great job on on all those. And I'm sure Obi Wan is going to be a good one too. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I'm, I'm excited just for the fans too to see whenever they, they finally do a trailer. And I know so many people, when it comes to Kenobi, they're all waiting for a trailer. But I, I hope that they, they remain persistent and, uh, and patient because just like when we were waiting for breadcrumbs from uh, Spider-Man: No Way Home, and you know that was an amazing ride. I hope those that uh, haven't had a chance to see it, they see it soon because it's just such great storytelling. But you know, again with the Kenobi, they, they did just a great great job and you know they're taking as much time as they need to make sure that that story in terms of visual effects and everything looks fantastic and and the fans are gonna be in for a great ride Mm. yeah now you mentioned earlier about the train scene had already been Mm. filmed that is an amazing <laughs> scene. Now, can can you tell us? Was there? I mean, obviously there was some CGI involved in there, correct? I mean, you know, but did you have to do a lot of stunt and and work? You know, were you involved, or did they haul you guys out and put in the stunt people? Well, yes. Anytime you see, uh, you know, especially if if someone's on an elevated sort of um, 
you know, it, like they're on a train, they're moving or a moving object. Typically, that's going to be uh, some players just because of insurance and, right. and back contracts and all that kind of stuff. And so a uh, big shout out to the stunt team and, and Joanna Bennett. She is the one that plays the Tuscan Warrior. She is uh, a badass on screen and, and in life. She's been uh, stunt doubling for Gal Gadot and I think on Wonder Woman and as well as uh, uh, Captain Marvel with uh, Brie Larson. But she's, you know, she puts in tireless work and, and this, the whole stunt team, you know, it, it, that scene alone is, is fantastic and has these nice little callbacks to kind of like solo, I feel like, when we saw that train scene with, uh, 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 forgetting their name, uh, Nest something. But, you know, it, it just has such great elements and they do such a great job with the action and how they and make it very believable with the, the train scene. I can't tell you if, you know, how much of that was practical and how much was not. I mean, I, I I'm sure that they were using, you know, uh, some kind of platform and then they just extend it and do visual effects and all that kind of stuff. But when it came to the, uh, the Banthas, the Banthas are actually real. Like they are standing, you can see them, uh, you know, and it was funny when you would see them being filmed because, on the one side, you're seeing the film, they have the fur and everything else, and you're, you're used to it. And then you look on the other side, if they didn't have it covered, you can see the mechanical innards of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's a, little, a little like, oh, okay, you know, seeing behind the, the curtain, so to speak, kind of Wizard of Oz. Um, so you didn't get it, to ride those speed racers? I mean, well, those were cool. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the speed racers, so, you know, you, you see them. Um, that, those were actual props, and they do a, a great job, again, with the detail and everything else. Um, and they, they have. I think they they have uh, they were pulling them on something, um, but you know that's again that's a lot of visual effects and how they they deal with that. Mm-hmm. The yeah. the speeders though, when we were taking them apart, that was pretty fun because Tim is talking and you know doing his whole speech about you know this is for us and all this, and then he turns around and we're over there like <laughs> dismantling it, like oh we got to take these parts, you know we got to take them, get them uh, scavenged or whatever. Right. And he's like, oh no, this is for us. <laughs> <laughs> so how is it like what's it like working for for Favreau and uh, Rodriguez I mean it's I mean they're you know <laughs> they're 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 them <laughs> yeah I mean they're yeah I mean like I said I look at especially John um you know just the stuff that he's done even with the Marvel Universe with uh, Iron Man uh and then you know you've seen what he did with Mandalorian and bringing us sort of back to this nice rich storytelling um it's 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 really amazing and and Dave is also part of that and so just to know that I have even just a small sort of um, aspect into that and, you know, into the storytelling and, and really developing these characters and showing the fans more in breadth of where they, what they're doing and where they've been and all this kind of stuff. It's really, really cool. And, and John takes, you know, he's very passionate about what he's doing. And so he'll, even, when he, you know, if it's in a really important scene, he'll talk to the extras and he'll say like, hey, this is what we're trying to view. This is what's happening. And, you know, even if there's a guest director or something like that, you know, he's, he's there. Hmm. Um, so it, it's just, it's, it's just really cool and, and something so exciting to be a part of. And to kind of go back a little bit too with the Tuscans, I, I know, you know, when episode one came out, I think a lot of people were like, why are we seeing the Tuscans? Like, what's, why do we need to see this backstory so much? We want to see more of what Bob is going to do in this present time. And then episode two came out and everyone switched their tune dramatically oh, yeah. and, and you realized how important this was. And I think something that was really cool, and if you look at the Tuscans, it sort of resembles Boba's life. You know, you look at the the Tuscan kid, played by Wesley Kimmel. Uh, when you see him, he's very innocent. He's, you know, I don't want to say naive or anything, but it's sort of like when we saw Boba at the very beginning of 
um, attack the clones in Camino, and then this whole change that happens to him when he sees his father die in Geonosis by Mace Windu. And if you look at Clone Wars, it goes through that whole kind of journey of him as an adolescent and how he tried to take out Mace Windu. Um, but him seeing himself and the, the Tuscan kid, that's, I think, why he didn't take him down when he had a chance. He, you, he sees that. And then the Tuscan warrior, again, played by Joanna Bennett, I think that's him in his prime, where we see him in Empire Strikes Back. He's, he's just a badass. But at the same time, he still answers to someone, and that's Vader. Vader tells him no disintegrations, and he has to listen to that. He's still under a chain of command. And then you see the Tuscan chief, and that's who I think he wants to be. He wants to be this leader, this leader of this community, and to not have to answer to anyone, but yet being a part of this, this family. And so that's what he's trying to strive for, and it was really cool to kind of see that, I think, play out as you see it in present day. And then that spiritual, spiritual journey that Boba goes on as he is, you know, getting ready to become a member of the, the tribe and he's wrapped in that tree and you're seeing the tumultuous waters of Camino and maybe even like a representation of what Tatooine used to be like. But all the while it's being intercut with this turmoil that's happening inside of him as he's trying to escape the Sarlacc pit and as he sees Geonosis and he sees Camino. It's sort of like, I think every time we've ever seen Boba to this point, He's either tried to avenge his father or he's tried to be his father. And this is finally an opportunity for him to be himself, to find his own identity. And so when he breaks free of that and he takes his branch that's going to become his gaffy stick, it's like, this is who Boba is. This is where he's going. And then finally he's part of a family that doesn't expect anything of him. It's like they just want him to be present and be a member of the community. And that's it. And so, you know, it's really cool to see that journey that Boba goes on and it was, you know, obviously sad and uh, to see what happens in episode three and, you know, what happens there. But obviously that's going to be a big part of Boba's journey as he goes on and, and how that becomes a part of them and, and plays out in this present timeline. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, everybody can check that out on Disney Plus, the book of Boba Fett. Uh, but Rory, I wanted to ask you about uh, one of your earlier shows that you worked on uh, where you were you played Lee Harvey Oswald. Uh, what was that like? Uh, is it ch- more challenging to play a real person than a you know fictitious person? Uh, I mean, because everybody has a preconceived idea of what Lee Harvey Oswald was like. Uh, right? How, how you know was it challenging for you? It, it, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you know it, it's one thing when you're playing a fictional character, you can have some license in terms of what you're wanting to do. Even if that person's sort of been set up, there's, there's sort of things that you can do because, you know, it, there's, there's some uh, freeness to that. However, when you're playing a, an actual person um, and that's well-documented and has all this different, you know, uh, material on, that's a bit more daunting because you want to make sure that you're not being frivolous with the character you're not, or, or the person. You want to make sure that you're giving justice to, to their experiences and everything else. And so, and especially with Lee Harvey Oswald, you know, a very polarizing figure for obvious reasons. Um, and so it was also really interesting to see and learn actually about some of his journey um, and where he had been right up until the assassination of JFK and, and, you know, his backstory and everything else. And it was really interesting because I remember, I think as we were filming, uh, some of the files were becoming declassified. And so we were sort of altering some of what we were doing because based off the new information, uh, that had been sealed. And so it was it was just really interesting for me in that I also didn't know a lot about uh, Lee Harvey Oswald 
when I first went into audition, I, you know, it was kind of like a, I, I knew about the assassination, obviously, and then that was kind of it. And so to learn more about, you know, him going to Russia, and mm-hmm. he had tried to defac- uh, basically become a Russian citizen. And then they were like, well, you know, how, how can we trust you? And then he was about to get deported back to the U.S. And then he cuts his wrist and they're like, well, we can't have an American, you know, die on our hands. So they had to make sure he was well and all this stuff. And it's, it, it's a really uh, perplexing and it just, again, just interesting story to, to, to kind of delve into. Well, Rory, can't wait to see more of, of this and Obi-Wan and everything else that you've got going on. Uh, but I'm going to finish up with uh, one final question. And I've saved the toughest one for the last question here. So, <laughs> <laughs> and at least that's what people tell me. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, when you sit back and relax, what are your favorite TV shows now and of the past? And what's your favorite movies now and of the past? What are you watching? Mm, I mean... I would be watching Book of Boba Fett even if I wasn't in it. Yeah. So that's, uh, <laughs> you know, like I said, Star Wars is very important to me. Um, you know, I've been watching a lot of Taskmaster. Um, it's a BBC sort of show, and it's got uh, great babies, and I'm forgetting Little Alex Horn. That's what he was called. Little Alex Horn. Uh, it's just a weird sort of fun show that uh, kind of is something relaxing. Nailed it on uh, Netflix. I watched that quite a bit with my girlfriend and, and our cats. Um and I, I'm a big fan of Harry Potter and uh, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, I'm excited to see this first season that Amazon's about to introduce. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I kind of stay in the sci-fi fantasy world. That's just definitely sort of my, my genre. Yeah, yeah. Well, Rory, I thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. And uh, we'll be watching you more and more, I guess, as you be, you, you, you continue in your <laughs> career. And, uh, you know, who knows? Someday you may be the, the new Luke character, or, <laughs> you know? Oh, my goodness. Well, that would, that would be amazing. And, and by the way, Brian, I, I want to also let the listeners know that uh, I, uh, we are planning to do a Tuscan watch party. So it'll be uh, myself as well as uh, my buddy Vic and Warren Prue, who I mentioned earlier about being the stand-in for Ewan on Kenobi. And all the proceeds from that, from the behind-the-scenes commentary and all the stuff that we'll be doing, all the proceeds will be going to the Iowa City Children's Hospital, um, which is where my Star Wars journey began. So a way to kind of pay it forward and, and give back to the, to the universe I love so much. Wow. And how can people get you know more information about that? Totally. So we're, right now we're in talks trying to get with Disney and also see if maybe they'll give us some items from Book of Boba Fett that we might auction off as well. So we're trying to get all that hashed out, but it will happen after the the full series has aired so that we don't potentially have any spoilers or anything come out. Mm-hmm. And then um, they can follow along at the Rory Ross on Instagram or Twitter. And then borntobeajedi.com, that's where they can see all the updates in terms of that, as well as any of the stunt training that I'm trying to do uh, in the hopes that, as you kind of mentioned, that if they were to do, especially if they were to do uh, Luke Skywalker's Jedi Academy, I would absolutely love it if I was able to be a student of his since we saw him in the Mandalorian Season 2. So mm-hmm. if they showed that off, I'm uh, just trying to, again, manifest and prepare as much as possible should that opportunity or audition come up. Wow. That's great. Jeez. <laughs> so, well, thank you once again, Rory, for joining us. Thank you so much, Brian. And may the force be with you. A big shout-out going to Rory Ross for joining us here at On Screen and Beyond. Be sure to check him out on 
The Book of Boba Fett on Disney+. Plus. Uh, you, you don't want to miss it. It's a good show. And uh, also, he's going to be on Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's upcoming. We don't know when that's coming out, but uh, we'll keep you informed on that. And uh, check him in a lot of... He does a lot of good stuff, too. That's, uh, you know, that's very, very nice that he does that. Well, that's it for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. I hope you're going to be telling your friends about On Screen and Beyond. Get the word out. And I had mentioned earlier at the beginning of the show that uh, there's going to be a CroftCon. And what's that? It is uh, all things Sid and Marty Croft. You know, the all the shows that they did, uh, you know, Lidsville and H.R. Uh, Puff and stuff and... Uh, what else was there? Oh, they did the Donnie and Marie show, and they also did uh, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, and uh, Sigmund and the Sea Monster, and just so many shows. And we will give you more information on that very shortly. This is going to be happening in May, so uh, if you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, be sure to get ready for that. It's going to be at the Orinda Theater, and we'll have more information as we get closer to that. So uh, get ready. It's going to be a lot of fun. And that's it. That is a wrap for this episode of On Screen and Beyond. So until next time, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. <laughs>